Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. James, thank you so much for coming on to Headstrong. Thank How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. I mean, it's been a hell of a year for you, I would say. I mean, a bit of a roller coaster of a year, so it's great to have you on our mental health platform mm-hmm. and kind of have a chat about your experiences with mental health mm-hmm. and how that's gone. Yeah. But at the start of the year, you had a pretty uh, crazy experience where you might not have been able to sing again. Yeah, yeah, I had a, uh, a, a polyp on my vocal cords, which is like a little growth. Uh, which prevented me from singing. Um, had to have surgery, which meant I couldn't talk for quite a long time. So yeah, it's sort of six months of, of misery, really. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I mean, that, that puts you immediately in a pretty bad place. I mean, your career as a musician, mm-hmm. that is what you've relied on for you know, your, your entire life, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So what were those immediate emotions, I suppose, of, I guess, shock, but then not knowing whether you could kind of perform again yeah I mean it was it's the first time in my life where like my career but then also like it's even stuff like my friendships and relationships really struggle because like talking is something that I think a lot of us take for granted and I was Mm. given this new um, perspective on life where being in a social environment and then not being able to contribute was like something I'd never been able to relate to before Uh, but yeah for the first time ever it was my career and my health coinciding I'd had like wrist problems before but I could still kind of contribute to, to the music just without playing guitar. But this time it was, I just felt really useless. Um, and it was a difficult period of reflection. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think now looking back, it sort of taught me the importance, even more so, of listening. Um, I think a lot of people, me included, would be the sort of person that in a conversation you just feel like you have to say something because the thought of awkward silence is like hideous to me. Um, but now I kind of would like to believe that I, I think about what I'm saying before just speaking a little bit, mainly for the fact I had to, because you know, I was texting everything I, I was saying during the surgery process. 
I guess also, you know, pe when people are actually having conversations, say you're at the pub or you're with your mates or whatever, you actually, some, as you say, people aren't just listening. They're actually looking at you, going, nodding along, listening, yeah, and actually, yeah. actually they know what they're about to say next. Yeah. So being able to have that time to listen and reflect over those three weeks, what, what kind of, what were those thoughts? Uh, I think, I think uh, it sort of drummed into me even more so the importance of making sure that everyone in the conversation feels heard because I think naturally there's like slightly bigger characters and you know it's just how, how people are some people are louder than others and I think that can often um, end up in the scenario where certain people just don't really speak much in the conversation and feel left out and then become isolated and whatever so I think I mean maybe I've just gone back on all the things I've learned but uh, I think now I'm more open to like making sure that everyone's heard in the conversation um, mm. I was like notorious for being like a big talker and like probably overpowering like a conversation. And now I've, I try my best to take a slight step back and listen to different viewpoints more than I ever did before, I think, I hope. Yeah, for sure. In those three weeks particularly, I mean, there are always going to be better days than others. Yeah. So during that time, what kind of kept you, not level-headed as such, but what actually kept, kept you optimistic and positive? What did you do? Diff I I think other than rest so you know, yeah I mean before the surgery I was scared because I didn't have a sense of knowing when things to get back to normal and I think weirdly when I knew I had to have a surgery I did have like a clear indication of like when I could mm. go back to some sense of normality I found a lot of solace in um, like normally when I'd been writing songs I would play with the guitar acoustically and sing and like write with my voice and guitar but when I was in like the, uh, the no singing period, I made a lot of music without any vocals, which for me I'd literally never done. So I was producing these songs without really knowing where the melodies of, or, or lyrics were going to go. And that meant so like, I've got a song, Dancing on the Head of a Needle, which I wrote without any, any vocals at all or melodies. And then after all my voice thing was fine again, I just I started writing the, the words to that song, which was, for me, it like flipped the songwriting process on its head. So. I think I tried my best to still stay um, productive with my music. I think I would have struggled if I just like put everything on pause. Um, played a lot of guitar. I, I was planning to do like my music earlier than, than I released because mm. you know I'd wanted to do it for, for probably 18 months and then the voice stuff put everything on pause. But it did force me to really evaluate exactly which song I wanted to put out first and. I guess the image um, and conversation I wanted to have with my music, um, even stuff down to like the the visuals of it all. So it just it was just a it was a forced period of contemplation, which I think I'm actually quite grateful for having now. And notably, how important was the support bubble, and notably your partner? Yeah, I mean, my wife was was great. Um, is great. <laughs> She's still great. Um, the the other boys in the Vamps were really supportive as well, and it's funny like they're so optimistic. So when I knew that there was something wrong with my voice before having the scan, like I was speaking to, to Brad, the singer on the phone, he was like, oh, no, it won't be anything, it won't be anything. And I find out it's this growth and I called him. Mm. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's actually bad. And he was like, no, no, I was like, no, no it is. <laughs> so they're like, they're so good at being like, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. Sure. Um, and that was really good. I think if everyone had been like really down in the dumps about it for ages, I would have struggled. But 
they just rallied around me. Um, so important, isn't it? Yeah. Literally yeah. just having people. Also, just, I know, <laughs> not, not making a joke, but it's so important to have people to talk to. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> there were you probably thumbing away. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. So, so important. And in fact, your wife is actually a, quite a lot of inspiration in the, your new EP, mm-hmm. uh, which is coming out on the 10th of October, uh, 10th of November. 10th of November, yeah. Uh, am I saying it right, Manabi? Manabi. Manabi. Yeah. Manabi. Okay, can you tell me the inspiration behind the name? Because it's not English. No, um, yeah. Um, so it's weird. I'd, I'd known, I would say for like 10 years, that at some point I would do something around the theme of like learning. So like I've had the word learning in my Twitter bio now known as X, but I, I, I see people say it and it's like X, formerly known as Twitter, as if that's like a Yeah, that's really, PR really helping term. me clarify that actually. PR term, <laughs> so, uh, so it's been in my bio for, for 10 years since the start of the Vamps, knowing it's not, whether it would be like a book or something. And then when these songs kind of came to me, I knew I wanted to call the EP Learning. And then, I don't know, I just, I, we spent like, my wife is, um, has been learning Japanese for a couple of years now, and we've done a few trips to Japan, and we, we love the culture. And, and I actually found in Japan that I learned more about myself, just how to, I think when I, when I first started going to Japan when I was like 17, 18, I was like naive, ignorant, a bit, a bit arrogant, and I just didn't really get the culture. I was like, oh, come on, like, you know, the whole like, respect thing, I think, frustrated me. But now I'm older, I see like a real sense of like, I don't know, I, I, love the, I love the energy that you have there where there's a genuine sense of like respect and, it, and it, it really helped me like become a better person spending time in Japan. So then I thought, well, I'd love, I'd love to kind of capture some of that learning in, in my EP and that's why Manabe kind of came about. Um, and yeah, the fact that my wife is learning Japanese, I, I love. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been lucky enough to be, to be sent Manabe before mm-hmm. it's come out. I've listened to the thing. First of all, congrats. I love Cheers, it. Mate. It's awesome. Really, really good stuff. Thank you. But what I really enjoyed about it was the sincerity of every note and also the meaningfulness of every word. Because mm-hmm. it's so, I would say, I mean, I'm no, no music professional, but I would say it's raw in the sense that it's straight to the, the depth of that emotion. Yeah. Was that always the kind of the goal and the aim of what you wanted to distribute? I think so. I mean, I, I'm very, very lucky that uh, I don't need to make this music to like, pay my mortgage. I'm very lucky that the Vamps is active, successful, and, um, and I love it, love the Vamps to death. So I was given this like rare opportunity to just create something that I wanted to create without needing to think about, well, I need it to get this many streams or win these sort of awards or whatever. So I kind of threw out a lot of typical inspirations. You know, like when, when a lot of people make music, they are whether consciously or subconsciously, inspired by other artists or they'll, they'll listen to the direction of the music industry, you know, whether it's going slightly 80s or 60s or early 2000s or more rocky or whatever. I kind of didn't do any of that. Um, and I thought, well, what do I actually want to say and how do I want to convey it? And I decided that I wanted to try and produce a lot of my own music this time around. I'd never produced for the Vamps before. Um, and you know, in some, like, I find it funny, like, my production's quite basic, mm. and my limitations have, have kind of led to how the EP sounds, but I've, I've spoken to people and they're like, God, I love the sound that you've been able to capture. How did you achieve that? And I'm like, mate, like, I, I achieve it by playing the instruments and keeping it pretty raw and ba- rough around the edges. Mm. There's no, like, big, um, there's no, 
there's not much like reverb, for example, on my vocal. It's quite dry. There's no real like compression on an, on anything. It's just pretty raw. Um, and I think that that kind of conveys the the overall message I'm trying to achieve through the lyrics. Yeah. Um, lyrically, I was really conscious to make sure that every line had a meaning. I think there's a lot of opportunity in music to get away with kind of saying nothing if you don't want to. You know, if you want to write like, I mean, I, I like I like pop music and dance music. It's cool. Serves a purpose, but you know, there's a lot of songs that you hear that don't really mean much, but you have like an energy and a feeling, which again has its place in the world. I wanted my mm. music, every word. To, you know, there's only so many words you have in each song. I wanted to make sure that every line made sense, and the way that we achieved that is, I would like after I've like written a song, I would like read it out as if I'm just reading. Mm. And if if a line didn't really make sense, I was like, well, it doesn't work. You need to be able to. I would love to be for someone to be able to read my song and. And for it to flow and, and still also convey that and emote. Yeah. Well, what we're going to do, if you're happy, without without making mm. it awkward just to sit here, but mm. obviously music is such an important part of your life, yeah. and it's also a great therapeutic activity. So I'm going to play one of the songs Go on, then. for a little bit, because um, I love the first track. Right. So that one's Blood and Bones. Yeah. yeah this is Blood and Bones, and this has come out as a single. Yeah. Already. Time after time. And this is about your wine. Yeah. It'd be weird if it wasn't. <laughs> Can you imagine? I'll fight your every corner till I'm back and blue. It's such a great track. Thank you, and what I really like is the imagery, as you say, of every kind of word, every metaphor, which is so powerful. Thanks, Mike. When you were putting this together, you were saying that this is, it was a difficult, uh, a different situation in terms of your songwriting because you wrote this music first, am I right? So no, th this, well actually, th this is even more so to the point. That was actually about my first song, Dancing on the Head of a Needle, but this song, I wrote this song a version of this song about two years ago. Okay. So the guitar was exactly the same, the melodies were the same, but all of the lyrics were different. Mm. And, you know, we sort of touched on that period of contemplation. One, I guess you could say like pandemic sort of time coming out of that, but two, like with my voice and, and everything, it forced me to, to really like critique the original version of that song. And mm. it was still called Blood and Bones, but like everything else was pretty much different. And I realized I, I'd kind of written a version of that song and then put it to the side and forgotten about it. And then I found myself just singing the chorus over and over, like in the shower or whatever. And I was like, there must be something in that song. Like maybe I've just painted the wrong picture of it. And, um, and yeah, so we, I went line by line and rewrote that song with um, a good friend of mine called Amy Wadge, who's like a really big songwriter who, who mm. I think meeting her was like a really important moment for me on, on this EP. And we just went line by line and yeah, and, and rewrote the whole song. And you know, sometimes it was like meticulous towards the end because I think, you know, we had like the second verse, if I could paint, there would be no color, mm. no shade that could discover. We had that and we were like, what do we say at the end? And like, I think we had something else at the end. And then we were like, it's not right. And then eventually we've got like the rainbow of you and it kind of, it kind of all worked. And now listening back, like those like painstaking hours of trying to figure out exactly how to say it, I think really, you know, made sense and 
and now I'm really proud of the song. There's not really a part of that song that I'm like, I don't like the lyrics. And actually, that's the same across the whole thing. It must EP. be so difficult as a musician as well, when, you, when it does come out and you're like, ah, actually, now, upon reflection, I could do this, could do that. Yeah. Are you just incredibly proud of what you've put together? Because I know often when musicians bring out their next thing and their next thing, they're always proud of their most recent stuff. But is mm. that fair to say? It is, this? yeah, massively. I mean, so I, I must have written 40 songs for this EP. Some of them started in Nashville and, and and the last one, Dancing on the Head of a Needle, um, was done in my bedroom at home, and then I released that one first. So, like, there's been a big spectrum. And over, like, two years of writing, things change and, and you forget things, but you're right. Like, I will write a song, like, probably tomorrow or something, and I'll prefer it to, to everything. But then it, it, that's why time is really important. I think I'm really conscious with my music to not, uh, like force or rush certain things because I feel like the energy and like the magic that you get when you create a song is, is like amazing. But sometimes I feel personally that it can actually like cloud your judgment on whether it is actually an amazing song sure. or if it's Who just a bit Who do you go that. to then? Who do you say you wrote yeah. yourself in your bedroom? Yeah. Because you, you, you can't have gone to, you can't have gone to your wife first up for this one. So I, well, yeah. I, or did you? Well, I mean. She heard you in the shower. Ah, yeah, is yeah, James yeah, yeah, yeah. about me again? <laughs> no, I, I have like a small group of people I send songs to, which is funny. And most of them aren't musicians. I mean, I send, I send all my music to Amy, who is obviously a musician, songwriter, mm. great. Um, but I have, I have a group of people that, and there's, there's a term for it in the industry and I can't remember what it is, but it's, it sounds offensive, but it's not, it's like the, the normal ear. So sure, someone that sure. just like is not in, in the music industry. And cause I think there's like a beautiful, like innocence or naivety to, to the average person's ear. Cause at the end of the day, that's what you want to try and like attract. Right. So I have, I'm like quite big into like watches and I've got a couple of friends that work in the watch industry that are, you know, like slightly older men, which don't typically fit the, the, the demographic of, I guess, the music I, I've made with the Vamps, for example. So I'll send them and then like a couple of my mates from back home that work in like IT or like mm. property. And I'll be like, what do you think of this song? Instead of sending it to, you know, I think the I do send it to, to my wife and stuff, but I think sending my music, my demos to a fan of my music is obviously great. And I love that and like giving them stuff I've, that's like really valuable I think to me to, to hear their feedback but actually you want to try and win over people that wouldn't typically listen to my yeah, music so that, definitely yeah. you want that productive feedback right as well yeah definitely yeah. and like honest from, feedback from, yeah exactly yeah, from like, someone who yeah. might not necessarily be yeah. a Vamps fan or a James fan and will tell me the truth yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is good but also on the 10th of November the, when the EP is released you're also doing uh, a, a gig I am yeah first in support show. of Mind yeah. which is awesome yep. so Obviously, you're going to be playing all your all your new tunes. How's that? How's that prep going? I've not really started yet, which is scary. I'm trying to write a set list, but um, yeah, it's new for me. I've not done a gig on on my own since well, I was probably 15, um, and even back then, it was like supporting someone where I'd play maybe like four covers. So doing a night of all my music is is a uh, is exciting, quite scary. But um, I think doing it with Mind was like perfect because we knew we wanted to put on a show. Mm but we didn't know in like what capacity. And then all of a sudden mind reached out and said, look, we're doing a series of gigs. Would James be interested? And I was like, it's perfect. So I think it's gonna hopefully feel like a really welcoming safe space. Um, I've got a band together around me. Um, got a couple of uh, really cool people supporting me that I'm really good mates with. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's gonna, it's gonna be a good one. Obviously this is like, the, as you say, the first time you're doing your own music and on your own. Yeah. Are you feeling anxious about that? Yeah. Excited? Terrified. Are you? I keep, like, for the first time in years, I had this the other night where 
I had a dream that I was doing the gig, but it wasn't at the, the venue, it was another thing. And I dreamt that like, I didn't know any of the words and I couldn't play guitar, and I've not had that dream. It's like that dream where you're back at school and you've got an exam, right? And I get that quite a lot. I've not had that dream with music since I was about 16. Wow. And it, I was like, this is so crazy. Um, so yeah, I am nervous. And I think, I think it's, a, it's a big deal for me mentally because I'm extremely privileged with the BAMPs to, to have done some like, massive shows and, and continue to tour and that's great. But I think there's a, there's a real weight to this performance because the songs I'm singing are very personal to me and, and, and my loved ones um, in a way that like, you know, with the BAMPs it's four of us and, and I love it, but four of us contribute with, with, my, sh uh, with my show the songs really are from like my bedroom. That, that and deep in the heart as well. Yeah, like, as, yeah. you, as we say, like, you know, it's your emotion that you've gone yeah. through and what you experience still, I guess, as well. Mm. I mean, what an awesome charity that's supporting. We love mine. Yeah. Um, and naturally, obviously, rooted in mental health with your journey as well through this year and no doubt from a young age as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah. when did you first become aware of your own mental health? It's difficult. I think. Uh, I think relationship with uh, like food and exercise is a weird one because that probably hit me earliest, but I didn't really know it until later in life. So I would imagine this kind of obsession with um, with extreme like dieting, I would say, or like exercise probably started at age like 15. Um, but it's only been, I would say, from the age of 19, 20 that I've really understood or maybe even older than that, 22, that, that I had like a negative relationship w with that side of stuff. I think depression and anxiety, I, th I don't know. I mean, it's, it's really hard for me looking back to pinpoint what was the depression that I've experienced in later life and what was just being a 14, 15 year old guy that didn't really fit into a social situation very well at school being like the musician kid you know at a sports college was like you know it, it wasn't like the it's difficult to find your identity exactly and like most people don't know their identity then so i think i think probably when it was getting to a a point where i would catastrophize i think that's where i was like this is quite an abnormal way of like processing information so i don't know early 20s maybe but definitely definitely had been affected from the age of like 13, 14, I Yeah, thinking know about your time at school, because you were, you were bullied at school, right? I mean, also, yeah. I was in, also being excluded like that. I, people say, oh, that's not bullying. I still, mm. to an extent, I genuinely believe that definitely is. Mm. Do you think from an in infrastructural perspective that, I know now the schools are doing so much more, but that would have helped you so much more? I think, um, so what was interesting with my experience is, it was mainly online stuff. So actually at school, I had like a couple of guys that would like maybe pick on me, but it wasn't, it wasn't awful. But the online stuff was pretty bad. It was kind of like when I first started putting songs on, it was Bebo and MySpace back then, I would have like guys from another school, like reach out and just say it's like rubbish kind of thing. And that was like quite over and over. And to be fair, that still affects me like now. And I've got a friend who was friends with them at school, which I didn't really know at the time, but who's having like a birthday party in a couple of weeks and some of those guys are going that used to bully me and even mm. still I'm like, oh, so I'm not going. And it's like, that's 20 years, well not 20 years, 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that more conversation, I like talking about bullying, similar with mental health, back then in particular was just not, the, it was not like a cool thing to do. 
So people just people presumed one that it was on call and two that it was just a part of like school. And I think I think now the conversation around around bullying and mental health is really important. I'd like to think that me then wouldn't have experienced the negativity around his music if I was releasing it now. I think we've come quite a long way with like people writing songs and being sure. openly emotional about girls and stuff. Do you think back then, upon reflection, actually playing music, writing music was kind of your form of escape and safe haven and helped you express yourself? And you know, you know, people do things for their mental health, whether they actually know it or not, you know, going on mm. going on a run, doing exercise. But you playing guitar and playing music must have been a massive part of actually making you feel good. I think, yeah, it was like a feeling a sense of belonging. And like mm. I had, I had like a like really, really supportive, loving family and, and, and great. And I had a group of friends, but you know, all of my friends went off to grammar school and I didn't. So I think when I started, when I started uh, playing guitar and like singing, I, and then it was the very early days of like watching bands on TV and you know, that, <sighs> I think, yeah, there was a sense of belonging in a way that I didn't, like where I grew up, there wasn't a massive music scene. There was like a few people doing it, but not really what I wanted to do. So yeah, it was, it was a bit of an escape. Um, and then, it, yeah, I think when, when the vamps started happening as well, it was a bit like, oh, okay, a real sense. Like when I met the other three boys in the vamps, I was like, oh, there's actually other people like me from similar backgrounds that I can connect with. Cause I didn't really have anyone that I naturally connected with uh, before I met them, to be fair. Before you hit the public eye with the vamps, mm. and as you started going through that journey, you mentioned it already, talking about that um, experience of body image and what that felt like, mm. which was notably not talked about amongst men necessarily mm. at all. Mm -hmm. um, and that was that was a huge, um, uh, huge thing that you were self-conscious of. And, and kind of started to experience because you mm -hmm. have that ideal image as, as I've heard you talk about the Abercrombie image of that perfect body yeah and you kind of push for that but did that have a detrimental effect on how you were feeling mentally yeah I think um, so I think it comes down to wanting an element of control in my life so you know it started the the obsession with like exercise and food um, started from I think wanting to try and be like more popular maybe it wasn't like a position of vanity per se I didn't look at myself being like oh like you look great <laughs> it was just like wanting to try and I don't know fit in a little bit more but then when the vamps kicked off it then turned into a thing of like well I don't really have a control over my life anymore as in from like a logistical perspective I was always traveling always doing stuff and um, had amazing experiences with the boys but all of a sudden I couldn't eat the the amount of protein I, I wanted to I couldn't go to a gym every day I couldn't eat plain chicken and broccoli. So it really started like manifesting into something quite negative. Um, and it turned me into not the nicest of people to be around. And I would kind of dictate uh, which restaurants we could go to or, or, or if we could go to the hotel before going to the, to the show so I could use the gym and like all that stuff really. And it took me a long time to realize that actually what I thought initially was a, a healthy mindset, you know, like, it was always like, oh, dieting is good for you, or like, mm. muscle is good, or oh, you, you go to the gym seven times a week, you must be like a pinnacle of health. The reality is I wasn't, you know, I was really, really thin, I had really bad skin, I was not a nice person to be around, quite tetchy. So it took me a long time to realize actually that I wasn't healthy, I was quite unhealthy. And even more so now, with the ever-growing presence of social media, do you feel a responsibility and consciousness of what you post, let's say with the view of body image? 
I think or I have you got a better relationship with that now? I've got much better. I mean, it still affects me like daily, but I think now what I'm a lot more at ease with is that notion of transparency, where like I will not worry if like if I'm presented in a certain way where I maybe don't look like the thinnest or you know I I I would never like edit my photos like I just I just don't I just don't do that um but I mean transparency and like talking about issues whether it's body image like depression whatever I've always been like a strong proponent of of speaking about it because I think that you know like the EP is called learning right and I the the majority of the time I'm learning is when I'm speaking to other people and like in turn I learn more about myself so I think transparency is is so key especially when like the age of people on social media seems to be getting younger every year I just think mm. it's nice to to see some people that you know I I would have loved when I was like 13 for like my idols to speak about body dysmorphia or mental health I think that would have really helped me do you have a, uh, a role model now I don't know I mean musically like a few but I try not to like like obviously like parents is like the go-to and, mm. and that's true but I, no I just I I'm inspired by an average person doing a good thing I think so I'll see someone do something and I'll be like that's really that's really inspiring I try to just live as normal and down-to-earth as I can um, yeah <laughs> what's what's your experience with therapy then because when you started in the vamps you were so young I mean you're still mm. You know, and then you get projected into this incredible span of 10 years plus and still ongoing. You're doing huge stadium tours. You're traveling the world. I mean, how do you, did you, did you go to therapy? Did you, have you, do you still go to therapy? What's your relationship I with never that? I never did therapy in the, in the crazy years of the vamps. I did, I've done like a few sessions, did a few sessions last year. Um, and I liked it. I think it's important to find the right therapist. Um, I think like therapy was always something growing up that, I think a lot of people around me had kind of passed off as like an LA thing that, that doesn't, you know, everyone, like everyone in LA has got a therapist or that. But actually, therapy's helped a lot of people close to me. And yeah, I'm definitely open to doing it again. I am, um, yeah, I've been lucky actually that I, I seem to do, like I only had a few sessions and it really helped. But for me, like, I've got, a, I'm very lucky to have a good communicative relationship with my wife to the extent that like, even just speaking to her for me feels equally as valuable as therapy. <laughs> Unless it's obviously about our relationship where maybe you need an external person, but luckily that's not happened yet. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I'm open to it for sure. And if it's not too personal a question, and please say, let's move on if not, but when was, well, first of all, being, being a man, mm. crying is something that is often looked down upon. When was the last mm. time that you cried? And if so, what, what, can you remember what it was I about? find myself crying a lot about the thought of my dog dying, <laughs> which, <laughs> so I'd like, if, if she's looking particularly cute, I'm like, oh no. But I mean, I cried, I had a, uh, I had like a moment last year, in, when I was writing a lot of this EP actually, uh, where I found myself drinking a lot and smoking a lot of weed and it became like a pretty bad routine. And I had like a moment where it was like a semi, like mini breakdown thing. And I, I just cried a lot and sort of fainted and shit. And it was pretty like, Kind of crazy, um, and but I needed that moment because I knocked the weed on the head and stopped that. And um, but I think I think crying something that I've got a lot more used to doing, which is funny. Like 
for, for, for both ends of the spectrum from being upset but also being really happy like my wedding I cried more than anyone else and mm. and I think there's a real sense of feeling liberated crying around people I think for a long time it's the go-to that you, you probably shouldn't do it and it's such a good release actually it's because great, ultimately great. you're holding something in mm. that needs to come out as an expression of something yeah, it's, it's not great. actually for anyone but yourself it feels really good it, tiring though man oh it God. is isn't it, it gets you yeah yeah yeah, yeah for yeah. sure <laughs> i mean with um with that as well having all that time in the spotlight traveling vamps yourself what how have you managed a relationship with alcohol and drugs like because it's always it's present mm. in this industry it's so it's so difficult because people are there offering you come off the end of a show as well you're like that was insane i'm in front of x mm. amount of people but how have you managed that throughout your years? I think, I mean, I've been really lucky that um, I met my wife just before the start of the BAMS, mm. really. So she's been there the whole time. I've never, never been into hard drugs, um, thankfully. Just luckily, never never wanted to, to do that. I mean, alcohol is something that, like, a lot of our... I feel like younger people aren't drinking anywhere as much now, but I feel like my generation, our generation, is still kind of... A lot of stuff centres around drinking, doesn't it? Like, you meet yeah. up for a drink or whatever. And that's fine in moderation, great, like, cool. But I think now, actually, the, the thing that's helped me now more than ever is my voice complications kind of mean I can't drink alcohol around, like, performances. And I think I was, you know, I, there's been definite moments in my career where I've been very drunk on stage to the point where like, I've been probably, like, playing really bad. And not because I've been, like, trying to hide from something or, or I'm nervous, just because I've been having, like, a good time and, and I've just not been thinking about it. And I think... Being conscious about that is important. I think when you're sort of in your early, mid-twenties, you feel this sense of, like, invincibility. And I got to a point where I was like, well, you know, I, I need to look after myself. Um, I think, yeah, every so often in my life, there's been moments where I've noticed I've been drinking too much or whatever. And it's just about, I think for me, I'm very lucky I've got people around me that, you know, my wife would say, like, why are you drinking this Tuesday night or whatever? That's been really good for me. Um, but it's just about constantly trying to be aware of your behaviour and tendencies. So what do you do then to kind of preserve your mental health, look after your mental health? Naturally, music being one of them, playing, yeah. playing the guitar. Is there anything else that you kind of do to help keep, keep on track and stay stay in a good place? I mean, like genuinely the songwriting, as I, I went years without songwriting um, when I sort of lost my way a bit with, with music, but I've been writing a lot the past couple of years. That's been really cathartic. Um, I get like, it's, it's so cliche, but talking like to my wife and uh, to my friends and, and that, that's been really, really good. Like, I think a lot of people kind of just go day to day with with speaking but not really saying anything, just sort of like pleasantries and going on, but occasionally it's important to sit down and have a good chat, like whether it's with the Bamps boys, which, you know, we're, we're really good at communication. Um, I think trying also to like alter your relationship with social media is a big one. Like that's always, I've really tried now to, to rein it in a bit, but it's, just, it's quite a dangerous thing. You get into an algorithm and then you realize you've been sat on TikTok for like an hour. And you're like, what am I doing? So yeah, I think, the biggest thing for me is try my best occasionally to take a step back and almost try and view myself from a third person's perspective, whether it's like if I'm going through like a low mood, try and stand outside of that and be aware that it's not going to last forever or why am I feeling like this? Let's unpick the anxiety. Um, 
or whether if I'm drinking too much, then I will, it's being strong enough to be like, you're drinking too much. <laughs> it seems like you're way more self-aware. Yeah, that's what it is. And you know, again, when you're in your early 20s, it's quite easy to not be self-aware because again, you feel like completely invincible, uh, bulletproof kind of thing. So maybe with me, it's just getting slightly older. It's like a new perspective on life and, and the desire now to want to live like a long life of happiness whilst when you're younger you're a bit sort of don't really care kind of thing yeah yeah kind of uh, lucky if i make tomorrow yeah, <laughs> see what happens kind of, yeah yeah um so we've got the ep coming out on the yep. 10th of november yeah got the the gig in support of mine without wanting to wish away this amazing time that you're going to experience yeah what's what does this journey look like for you now are you wanting to continue to release your own music yeah for sure. obviously the vamps aren't you're, you're not split up no which is great um, but what, what does that look like as uh, a musician, but then also, you know, your, you know, for yourself, you and your wife, is that, are you going to stay here in, in, in England? Yeah, I mean, so the Vamps is going to be busy uh, from next year. Um, well, I mean, we're still busy now, but just carrying on, the Vamps is something that I can see just happening forever. Um, I'm going to be releasing new music after the CPI, either the end of this year or start of next year, and just, and just ride it a little bit. Like, I'm very lucky that um my relationship with with my wife is is that she can you know she we, we've decided to like travel a little bit more we've always been quite reluctant to like do too much traveling and do that more but just kind of see see where things go i think because control has been such a massive part of my life i think it's nice to try and embrace a sense of like fluidity with my plans in a way that i've never done before and i think my music's enabling me to be able to do even stuff like putting on this gig like terrified but it's a challenge so. you've got to step out your comfort zone exactly right? that, that's and, what i'm trying and to do what you've got to you've got to give the fans what they want <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah and also you're raising money for an awesome charity, absolutely yeah, yeah yeah so my final question that i yep. ask every guest is what does the word headstrong mean to you oh, very difficult uh i think headstrong for me is being open to show like weakness and vulnerability because I think if you say like, oh, I'm great, like I'm emotionally robust all the time, it's not really the truth, like everyone goes through things. So, and when I say weak, I don't mean like that in a bad way. I think it's good occasionally to be like, I feel, I feel like I'm weak at the moment, I need, I need some help, I need some support. Um, so yeah, being, being open to, to listen, learn and grow, but also not only listen to other people, listen to yourself. And yeah, be prepared to say like, I need I need some help at the moment. I think really nice. Hey, thanks so much for sharing Cheers, your, you. your stories. I really appreciate it. Best of luck on the tenth. Thanks, man. Um, and uh, um, may that will continue seeing you go from strength to strength. <laughs> Thank you. Cheers, nice mate. One. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 